You are listening to Doc Watson's Boxing Update in association with Primal Radio. All right, Primal Radio, we're back. What's up, Tom? Uh, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Our plans have been thrown all over the place as, as, as usual, been. but um, yeah, it's right. good. Good. So we're doing a Doc Watson boxing update, but we were supposed to be interviewing two champion boxers, but they'll, they'll be back on. Why are boxers so unreliable? What do you guys think about that one? Being a boxer is quite a creative sport, and so maybe that creative streak doesn't always lend itself well to being organised. That's as politically polite answer as I can give right. you. <laughs> I hear Jim's answer. Oh, well, it's pervasive. Every fucking boxer had one boxer who would show up early and stay late. Every other guy, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. is just a, a, a possibility. I'll be there at 7, we're going to do training. You know, it might mean 7.30 or they walk in the door at that time. Inevitably, they forget half their gear. I had one trainer, this guy, Junebug, he passed away. and He was going to be in the 76 Olympics, and, and then life kind of punched him in the face. But he's supposed to run the class, let's say, 7 o'clock, right? It's like 8.30 now, and he comes walking in. And I'm, Bug, what's up, man? Where you been? He goes, well, Jim, you know. I had to get something to eat, and I didn't eat all day. And I said, no, I, I, I got that, man. I understand where you're coming from. But, you know, class starts at 730. And he goes, yeah, but I had to get something to eat. And I just kind of stared at him and said, okay, I guess that's a good excuse as any. <laughs> there's, not, there's like no concept that other people are waiting for you. That's just such a classic excuse, isn't it? Have you guys got any funny stories of like people like you know where it's like re- been really bad, like a title fight or something like that? I know Darren, who we were going to get on the show, and when I was around him at the gym, he, he used to be quite forgetful, and you know he'd often turn up and he'd be borrowing someone else's gear, you know, he'd be wearing someone else's brewing guard or someone else's gloves or something because he just forgot his stuff. Uh, his trainer Harry, who's like a good mate of mine just drive himself nuts you know he would be like Andy can you think of any boxer ever you've booked a train and you're going away to like you know another part of the country for sparring with another gym you'd be like oh yeah yeah wicked and he'd go yeah yeah going for sparring and then I'd meet Darren at the station and he'd be like I've forgot my trainers my groin box my gum shield and my vest but I've got the shorts and my gloves. Um, so can and, I, you... and I'm not wearing any trousers. Right, no. <laughs> uh, and I remember another time, I think it was before Darren's, I don't even know, it might even have been the big fight, you know, when he fought Ashley Fearpain. I was going to meet Darren because he, I was buying tickets off him and then we spoke and he was like, I've, I've lost my gum shield. And then I, I spoke to Harry and Harry fucking <laughs> back. He's fucking lost his gum shield. What's it? It's like the day of the fight, and we're trying to get a gum shield. And I said, "Well, I've got a spare gum shield." And they were like, "Oh my god, that'd be amazing!" So then Darren actually drove around to my flat, gave me the tickets, and I gave him the gum shield. And then later, Harry sort of like slightly berated me and was like, "No, nah, he didn't wear that gum shield. That that's just for kids. That one." <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought it was quite good because it was one of those low pro ones, which a lot right. of people use. To see, but maybe it's not quite good enough for like you know twelve round championship fight. Right. 
one of my guys in one of my MMA fights, and it's not usually as bad with the MMA guys, he forgot his mouthpiece. Same thing, gum shield, whatever you call it. Had nothing. Okay. And they will not let you fight without a mouth guard. There is no option. Yeah. So he had to actually wear another fighter's mouthpiece, which was already formed, didn't fit his mouth. Went in and won the fight. But the whole time, he's like, I just want to knock the fucker out because this mouth guard was driving me crazy. <laughs> well, the mouth guards are pretty uncomfortable anyway, right? So, I mean, right. even if you've got one of those ones that's, like, been done by the dentist, or even most of the ones now with the little veins, they're not like they were 20 years ago, are they? I mean, they used to be ridiculous. It's like a piece of orange peel. But... <laughs> Imagine wearing someone else's gum shields, you know. The, the right. one bit of training kit that's lasted me my entire career is my gum shield. I've had it that's for like, you know, 12, 13 years, and it's it's one of the cheapest ones they do. It works. Wow. Do you, and do it's you never it? been washed. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, never. You got to take some mouthwash and put it in it in a little bowl. And... Is that right? No, I've, I've, I've never done that. I've had that. a few, actually. I've had a few gum shields i got one done by the dentist once you know and those but i didn't like it it was like it was so thick even though it fitted my teeth perfectly it kind of like put my lips out so much right. that like, i was getting punched my lips were like you know getting really bashed because i was like pouting <laughs> <laughs> it's like having having a big cock <laughs> in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you're eating the nose on the end <laughs> guys will know they're coming to spar we bring in a whole nother gym so you know to spar several fighters and they forget like you said their gear how how do you forget your gear on any level i don't understand it or if anyway it drives me crazy and i i don't have the solution i've tried you know and it just doesn't work if you get if you had 20 mouthpieces they'd lose all 20 there's there's no way around it. That's just that's just the nature of the business. Showing up late, not being ready. When we just did our MMA show, and I got a boxing show coming up, my job, which I said, and we haven't talked about this, is to babysit. I am to control everything from like sit down, don't move, look at the wall, to I which I swear to God I gotta do. I had one fight, and we'll get right to our boxing. We had one fight. Literally, we brought this guy in from, you know, we pay for a hotel room pay for his travel he's the first fight on the card because we know the guy's a uh, can be a fuck up nice guy has nothing to do with it, whether i like him or not comes up now when you're there at the, at the venue we're at you're not as a fighter you're not allowed to leave the locker room and no one's allowed to go into the locker room because of they didn't want any shenanigans going on like putting a you know horseshoe in your glove you know <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> or, or or whatever other magic or voodoo you're going to do so the guy walks out of the locker room to where the crowds he's talking to people the state athletic commission says you can't be out here. They tell us, make sure he doesn't walk out of the locker room, right? So then he does it again, walks out, gets warned back in, comes out a third time. This is very clear. Do not, for any circumstances, come out of that locker room. If the building is on fire, I want you to sit there. I'll come get you. Yeah. I mean, that's how I have to be, right? He comes out again a third time, right? He hugs somebody he knows. The State Athletic Commission decides, no, 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 you have to rewrap your hands now because we don't know that nothing happened. He grabs a guy who's a friend who's not a legitimate cornerman, start to wrap his hand. They cut the fight five minutes before the show is going to start. I mean, wow. I don't know. How, right. Literally five minutes. The show, It's five. It's six fifty five. The show's starting at seven. This is five minutes before the fight's going to start. And they cut the fight. 
cost me a shitload of money is what it did. But unreal. And, and you really, you're banging your head on the wall going, I simply don't get what don't touch. Like, you never see the cartoons back in the day. Don't touch that red button, right? And the guy hits the button and he gets ejected out of the car or something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> don't touch it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I quit. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what happened. So anyway, so we we are all right, not the button. So we lost our original guest. So which we haven't done a Doc Watson boxing update because of scheduling. Doc's all the way across the other side of the planet. Tom's uh, halfway around the planet from me. So we somehow were able to facilitate all this. Woo! Now it's time for the Primal Boxing Update. Do we have music for for Doc? <laughs> um, uh, no, not really. I, I, I thought I thought you had gotten music for him. There's copyright issues with uh, <laughs> using the tune that I want to use. Well, uh, don't we have a huge budget? We can just pay for it. I'm disappointed, Tom. I thought you got that sorted <laughs> out. We're working on it. And another note, real quick. I'm at my show a couple weeks ago, and I bet you I had half a dozen, ten people come up to me and say they listen to the podcast, and they know they know who you are, Doc, and they love the boxing podcast. So that's 100% true. People I don't know on okay. any level. So it, it is kind of funny that people go, oh, yeah, I listen to your show. I actually, and I, I believe I told you, Tom, I had one guy come sign up for my gym because he's a fan of the boxing podcast. That's amazing. Right. He goes, I go, how did you find me? He goes, well, actually, I was listening. I was listening to your monthly update or whatever we call it. And then he goes, and then I realized you were right in my town. So there is a, a bunch of people out there who, you know, just peruse, you know, the podcast and see what kind of interests them. You know, if we were talking about knitting, I guess we'd have a knitting audience, you know, but. Uh, we just need a few hundred more of them to show up and then you'll be a millionaire. The topic of today is uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the Canelo fight from last night at first. Right. Oh, right. Was, we were watching it a few hours ago, practically. Right. So, What do you think? Right. A lot of people had said that they thought it was technically a very good fight. You know, not a classic or anything like that, but, you know, a very, right. very good fight. I think I was a little um, disappointed in Jacobs. I thought Jacobs was going to bring a bit more and do a bit more, but I think there was actually quite a lot to be admired in Canelo's performance. I mean, he basically won the fight relatively comfortably without needing to really even sort of exert himself very much. I mean, he was so kind of compact and he didn't waste anything. He didn't really give anything away. He was quite difficult to, to hit, you know, as either his guard was up and his chin was down or he would slip and if Jacobs tried to sort of spin away, hit whatever was exposed, I thought it was a very little measured and mature performance from Canelo. Not exactly a, a thrill fest by any stretch, but uh, it, it was, you know, a pretty technically good fight. I, 
I think Jacobs, he didn't seem at all bothered in his interview afterwards, did he? He was, you know, he was no. quite, always kind of irritates me that when, when guys have come there and they're going to, you know, you're going to have to kill me to beat me. And then at the end, they interview them and they're like, yeah, it was, you know, I did okay. And, you know, maybe next wow. time I'll do better. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah, the fight was, right, it was well measured. It was well executed. Often those fights are rather boring to watch, you know, when, mm. you, when a guy executes at that level. Alvarez landed like 45% of his punches while, you know, Jacobs wow. did about 25%. So, although Jacobs threw more punches. I don't know if you knew that. Or Jacobs not. was throwing those jabs, but right. a lot of just these little nothing, weren't they? Little range finder kind of Slap. touching. You know, right. so, so that obviously skew, skews up his, his percentage. They weren't doing anything. I, what I was slightly irritated with, because neither man, to me, ever looked in any real trouble. I mean, I read some stuff saying about how Canelo was really putting it on Jacobs. Well, I, I didn't think Jacobs looked no. in, in any difficulty. So it no. was like they were operating at that level where they neutralised one another a little bit, as you say, and that can sometimes make for a slightly duller fight. But no doubt. I right. can't help but think if you were really honest with Jacobs and he's really honest with himself, that he would have to think, why didn't I go out there and do a lot more? Because he was the bigger guy. He yes. was definitely strong enough didn't look like he was having any real issue with Canelo's strength or power and I just kept thinking why didn't he really put it on him more and why didn't he move more because he's got really good lateral movement but it seemed to me like even though he was on the outside and he was circling he was essentially just plodding around in front of Canelo most of the time so Canelo could easily follow him and I feel like Jacobs has the tools in his toolbox to have done more. I'm not saying that you don't know how that would have unfolded because I suspect if he'd have stepped it up a notch, Canelo would have stepped it up a notch. Right. And, you know, you'd imagine that Canelo's probably got more notches. Strange analogy. Look, notches. <laughs> I don't know. There was times in the fight where I was thinking, you could see how Jacobs could do it. He's got longer reach. Um, I didn't really see this speed advantage that he talked about. Yeah. I thought Canelo looked the quicker of the two, actually. But why didn't he, you know, just do a bit, do a bit more? It might would have been a, certainly a lot more of a competitive right. fight. Sometimes I think one of two things is that the fighter, you know, when Jacobs came in, he had a game plan in his head, and maybe Alvarez just nullified that with his style. So my, uh, this was my game plan. I was going to throw the jab. I was going to move this way and that way. Uh, and maybe Alvarez took him out of his game and he never made the appropriate adjustment to, to go to a plan B, whatever that might be, or that he just wasn't in the zone. Some guys get psyched out even at that level and, or whatever it might be throughout the day, whatever was going on in his head and just wasn't able to get it up as they say. And, uh, and just wasn't able to perform up to, uh, up to par. I don't know. What do you think? I think you're, I think that could be it. I, and i feel like similar when I watched Jacobs Triple G. Well, I thought he did really well in that fight, but I think he doesn't quite... I, I've never seen him spar, but I just don't... I don't think he quite performs as well as he should on the night, if that makes sense. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's what you were saying about just not quite being in the zone. You, look, Canelo, right, he, he turns up, doesn't he, every time? Every time. Every time. And he tries, like... Even though he wasn't throwing many shots, every time he got that opportunity, he's exploded quite quickly with good, crisp, sharp shots. You could see the focus and the concentration from Canelo. He, he brought his game 
and he was on it. And I looked at Jacobs, he didn't look on it. You know, he looked like he was sort of going through the motions. A couple of times he obviously really put his foot down and he had his, he had a few where he had Canelo on the ropes and he opened up. But I said before the fight, if he fights the way he always fights, it's not going to be enough. Right. But if, if he can up his game and just amp everything up and kind of bring another 20%, you know, put that effort and energy in that seems to be a bit lacking, then he, he would have a shot. And it's kind of strange to say that, isn't it, about a guy that's, I think he's a two-time world champion. Yeah, he's 35-3 or... and three with 29 KOs. I mean, that's a pretty impressive for Amazing. And he's come back from cancer, and he's right. a miracle man for a reason. And, you know, obviously we'd all would have probably liked, or some of us would have liked to have seen him win for, for some of those reasons, you know. But I guess, like, most of his career, he's operating in fights where he is the better guy. And so even, you know, if he's not like an one of those guys that absolutely performs out of his skin on the night, he wins because he's a damn good boxer. But right. against, you know, a Canelo or a Triple G, you've got to, like, raise your game, haven't you? You've got to be, you've got to be 120% of Every yourself. Time. Or you lose, yeah. yeah. Right, and the scorecards came out. I don't know if you saw the scores, if you paid attention. It was 115-113, 115-113, and 112, excuse me, 116-112. Obviously, all for, for, for Alvarez. And I was reading, you know, some different takes. And a couple of people, to my surprise, uh, scored at 114-114. Uh, I'm not sure I saw it that way. A lot of it, too, is very subjective when you're in there. I, mean, I thought Alvarez won a hands down without, without, uh, without a doubt. But I've been to uh, many fights, my fighters alone, where uh, it's up to the individual sensibilities of that particular uh, judge. You know, did, did they feel Jacobs was slapping too much? He threw more punches. Where, where does it fall in their in their hierarchy of what's important? And that does vary from judge to judge. But, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was hands down, correct decision, you know, Canelo. But some interesting things to think about. I think some of the rounds, there wasn't a huge amount to separate them because it right. seemed like neither one of them really got a foothold and it did very much. So you might think that Jacobs was using a few jabs and maybe moving a bit left and right. And it was almost like, could I give it to him because his movement looked better? Because it just seemed like there was so little in it. Um, <laughs> right. But I got the sense that Canelo was the one that was actually engaging the fight. Drug harder made... punches. Yeah, and sort of wanted it a bit more, I think. Yeah, you, I agree. You, you know, so, yeah, I can actually see how, how, how you could have scored it closer. One of those, sometimes you get those fights right, where, where the scorecards don't tell the story of the fight. But I, I hope we see Jacobs back soon. And he, so he looks who, what's he going to do? What, where's he going to go next? What's going to happen for him? Do you have any thoughts on that? Don't, I haven't given it a lot of thought, to be frank. I guess right. there's, there's a bunch of options, you know, in the division. I suppose we're going to get served Triple G and Canelo again. And I guess Jacobs will take a couple of rebuild type fights yeah, if that's right i mean i know jacobs hasn't really committed, committed to anything coming up so uh you know so that's all up in the air like all up for, let's say always up for discussion as to what might happen who they might fight you don't know where it goes and sometimes they just fizzle out unfortunately too who knows maybe it's i'm looking at the rankings here and you got golovkin as as you said is is still number one yeah. Uh, Jacobs was at number two. Then we've got Billy Joe Saunders, which I think would be an interesting one if that if that happened. You know, obviously a, a British interest. 
and going further down the list, Charlo, I think it's like someone that's kind of emerging at number six. Strong division, this, compared to some others out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I think a fight that would be good for him would be someone like David Lemieux. I pronounce his name probably incorrectly. The French guy. Dangerous fight, a big puncher, but you could see how Jacobs' style would work well there. Billy Joe Saunders, I think, would be too good, to be honest. I'm not sure that he beats Triple G or Canelo, but he's such a beautiful boxer. You know, when he's on his game like he was when he fought um, Lemieux. He got beat decisively by Billy Joe Saunders. And a fight with the, one of the Charlo brothers would be good, wouldn't it? This fight's there, for sure. Well, what's your take briefly, or maybe not briefly, on Canelo's, you know, the, the performance enhancing drug stuff? Well... It's a bit of contaminated meat. Personally, I can't stand drug cheats. It seems like it's rife in, in the sport. I don't really like Canelo that much because of that and just because it seems like he's had quite a protected career, even though he's fought good people. It seems like the timing's always been right. He's had a lot of things on his side and, you know, just like, that just irritates me really. I, you, you know, I like an underdog and I, I just, you can't place him in that, in that category really maybe once upon a time, but not that I can think of, you know, everything's always on his side and he still is a drugs cheat. So hey, it's Tom, like, what did he get busted for? Eating you know? dodgy burger. Yeah, that's what that's that's been his excuse. Um, I need to look up the name of the performance enhancing drug. I'll come back to you in a sec. He said it's contaminated steak, is what Which he is reckons. Bullshit, but um, here's my thought on it. I think anyone at that level in every single sport is doing something, not a possibility to perform at that level uninjured. Now, what does it mean by performance and drug? Like, uh, if you're doing steroids enough, it's helping you heal quicker, it's not making you a better boxer. Just simply is not. You're not going to be able to take more punishment. You just maybe heal. Depends on what you're taking. Things with the lungs. I mean, so the problem is everyone's doing it. It's a matter of who's getting caught than others. Some do less than others. It's called clenbuterol, and it's used to treat asthma. It could make them stronger because they can train harder to recover quicker. That could mean that they could take a bit more punishment in the ring. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, on, obviously not on him, but... <laughs> yeah but they might have gone down a bit quicker if they hadn't been on steroids, you know, because maybe they have got go down pretty stamina. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine them going down any faster. <laughs> do you just go around like, do you just go around like big boy gyms and just knock out big... Just knock them out. Come on, let's curl this, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I get it, but it seems so random to catch certain people that don't catch others. Everybody's doing it. I know that for a fact at some level, unless you don't have the wherewithal, which is a possibility. Uh, but it was inter- interesting stuff. I mean, I don't know where I lie. Is it making him a better boxer? Is it making him a cheat? And, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe just too stupid that he got caught. Maybe that's what it makes him. That's all I, I got to say about I that. Guess if, <laughs> I guess if you really think everybody's doing it. and I do. I've heard people saying, I suspect at the lower levels, they're not. And that right. Makes once it you quite... get up there and you're training hard and, and you're getting beaten up on and your joints are causing you issues, maybe taking peptides or taking a glenbu- a glenbu- steroids. Uh, 
of whatever whatever that might be, how much is it in perform, increasing your performance? Not much, I guess, at the lower levels. At high levels, I guess it could, but I don't see it. For me, like the, the use of steroids, you know, we all have a genetic cap, which we were talking about with John Little the other day, and you know that that's one of the things that allows you to push through it. I mean, you to, when I read up on this stuff, says clenbuterol is used to treat asthma. It can also help build lean muscle mass and burn yeah. off fat. You know, it's, it's a logical right. thing for a boxer to take. I mean, they do say that the values that he had, you know, were within a range expected from meat contamination. But of course, they would, you know, that that's what they want the answer to be when it's a big star um apparently it's very common in mexico and you know making it, it makes the meat leaner which um would be a desirable thing if you know for the meat industry <laughs> yeah that sounds like a lot of shit <laughs> one of my um, mates is a, is a bodybuilder and he he takes it you know in the lead up to competitions get lean so he can burn it's, i think it helps him to burn fat more quickly and uh he said like you have to train it's like if you just take it on your own and do anything it, right but, you have to train hard it doesn't take that aspect yeah of it. yeah and i know for a fact too by the way i was watching something on um natural bodybuilding competition right the funny thing is they're anything but natural they just cycle through their whatever they're doing and cycle off of it so when the test comes prior to the competition they show below the levels that doesn't surprise me at all so they're not natural it's 100 well, percent uh, a fallacy jumping ahead to um one of the fights that we'll talk about later but there's a school of thought that that's why ortiz didn't take the seven million dollars that he was offered for the aj fight because everyone's going you've got to be crazy what's wrong with these guys why didn't you know he was offered seven million dollars apparently as it to be a to be a replacement for miller and, uh, you know, his camp are now saying, oh, we screwed up because we were holding out, playing hardball, trying to get more money. But, you know, there's an, another circulation of thought that is, he, he probably, he, he might be on a, a cycle. Probably but, very likely. Can't take the fight short notice because right. I'd failed a test. I'm just saying what, I, what I've heard of. I mean, I guess he's very old, right? So I imagine that he would benefit from that sort of stuff, but that doesn't mean that he does it. This show is turning out to be largely talking about drugs. But, you know, you, lo- you lose Miller to a drugs test. Then his replacement bottles it because he's not completed his cycle. And then the only guy that they can find to, to fill the gap is uh, Ruiz, who, who's a big fat guy. Uh. <laughs> his sports enhancing drug is uh, five guys. <laughs> uh, but so let's get on to Joshua. Anyway, so, so, he, so, right, so all that falls out, he's going to fight Andy Ruiz, who... I don't know really much about Ruiz. He's got 32 and he's 32 one with 21 KOs. I don't know who he's really fought. Do you know much about him, Doc or Tom? I tell you what, he's a skillful boxer. He's got good hands, a good movement, punches in combinations. He's quite aggressive. Uh, he's got quite a good engine, even though he looks like he'd be blown out of his ass after a couple of rounds. That's not the case. And, and, and he had a pretty close fight with Parker. Parker beat him on points, but it wasn't a sort of a shutout or easy for right. Parker. But I can't see him doing much against Joshua. You know, he's way smaller. I don't know, he's what, could, could be 20 pounds overweight. I don't, he's pretty fat, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah, he's chubby. Even, even though he's... Like I just said, quite fast, a good fight. You know, it seems like he's a bit of a natural, you know, one of those guys that can, right. you know, really 
put his hands together well, you've got to assume that he'd be better if he lost 10 kilos or 20 pounds, you know, uh, or if he replaced some of that with a bit of more muscle. And you have to think it's got to be hindering him. And going in against a ridiculously good athlete, you know, even just taking the boxing ability aside in Joshua. Yeah, there's, there's no real chance, not even a puncher's chance. Around. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think he's a... I read somewhere that people saying he's a, you know, a, a harder puncher than Miller. In fact, a lot of people think that he it's a better fight, funnily enough, than Miller. Really? Because <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll step up to the plate. He's got more skill than, yeah. than Miller. But I think the Miller one was more interesting because sure. you know, he was really talking it up. He's a unit, wasn't he? So I was, I kept thinking, is he going to stand up to Joshua's punches, and then Joshua might, you know, get a little tired of, of sort of hitting the, the heavy bag. I, I can't see that with with Ruiz. I, I, I think it, I think he might bring it for a bit and go into his shell and then get stopped. This is Joshua's first fight in the U.S., right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a letdown. Have him go to Madison Square Garden, the, the mecca of boxing, I guess, at least at one time. And, uh, have, you know, have a less of, you know, having a substandard fight, really. Hopefully he does well. I mean, I imagine he'll walk through them. I don't imagine there'll be any issues on any level with this fight. It'd be a surprise if there was, but it's a, you know, it's a possibility. I, but the, the show must go on. Exactly. Fury's fighting a relatively young nine guys named Schwartz. Wilder's got Rizal. And now we've got Ruiz. With, you know, who, who's got the hardest, the most difficult task. I think Breezel might be the best of them because he, he's been in some good fights and he's not bad, actually. YouTube him, he's had some real humdingers and he can fight a bit. But you know who he is and I can't see him doing too well against Wilder. Fury's guy, you don't know anything about him. So that's to me, is always a bit of a risk. It he is. could actually be the most dangerous task. Or other fighters in similar situations sometimes turn off a bit, right? Because it's like, well, I'm fighting this guy and he's leagues below me and I should win and, and, and right. then don't turn up fully motivated. And then the other guy's absolutely up for it because it's like, well, I'm going to fight Tyson Fury and right. if I beat him, I'm golden. So he brings his A game and, you know, and you get a banana skin. But obviously with Fury <laughs> on his road to resurrection, it's hard to imagine him not showing up, you know? So, Boils down to again, uh, why is this Fury Wilder Joshua thing? Nothing happening. It's just the powers that be that are putting that wedge in. Why wait? I know, right? <laughs> They're calling it the Game of Thrones, aren't they? Now, sort of the, the nickname, which is obviously quite apt. It is. If you're a Thrones fan. And uh, I don't think none of us can really work out why. I think it's just a business thing, right? I mean, the, the power brokers behind it all, they want to extract more money from their fighters undefeated records then they'll make one of these fights will get made when they basically when they feel that it makes the most money versus the alternative option which is waiting longer or continuing to fight other fighters they're milking the cow so to speak but we're, we're yeah, you know they know one of them, those cows is going to get slaughtered sooner or later. Which which cow has the most time on its hands? For me, as a boxing fan from way back when, you miss the days when the guys would just fight the next month and go at it. Right. I understand. You know, like, you want to be the best of the best. 
and I guess it, it has become a business. Mike Tyson, I said on our last show, I believe, So the difference between guys today versus me goes, they're businessmen today. I was a killer. Yeah. And it, and it stands true. I didn't feel they always happened then, though, either. I think it's always been the case that has been... But now it seems forever. Like, they fight right. after their prime. Yeah. Like, after anyone gives a shit. Yeah, agreed. That's the problem. And I'm a boxing fan. I'm like, you're going to make me wait another two years to see the two best... Or one of these three... Two of these three guys fight. I got to wait until 2020 sometimes. Maybe a year from now. Uh, for no real particular well, reason. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure all three of them are confident of victory. I think all three of them truly think that they can prevail, that the promoters and the people at the back might have slightly different views. Fury surely is going to get better. Right. AJ's definitely got to be getting better. I mean, he's been learning his craft on the job, hasn't he, really, since he yeah. won the title. And he's and he's getting better. Wilder, probably the one with the most to improve upon. I don't, I don't know. I think he probably is not progressing. Yeah, I don't think way. he'll improve. I think he relies so much on that one shot and the power that has been detrimental to his growth. I mean, and he's done well with it, but he's well, gonna, not going to grow. I was going to say, but it's oddly that that limited toolbox that he's got. I like this expression, the toolbox. I, I picked it up from listening to Roy Jones talk. He always talks about the tools in the toolbox. Right. So this guy's got a full toolbox. This guy's got <laughs> only got his toolbox. But, you know, with, with the tools he's got in his toolbox, he's done pretty well, hasn't he? In fact, I fancy that Wilder might beat Joshua. But Joshua's getting better all the time, you see. So the longer this goes on, you know, your opinion starts to, starts right. to change. Do you think Eddie Hearn might regret that they've done this first fight in New York? They've now got, you know, he's up against a Mexican. I don't know whether the interest will be that high. And you could have done a massive stadium in, in the UK and made a lot of money there with everyone being fully behind Joshua. I would have thought so. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the finances of the whole thing, but I think they've got to be looking at it thinking, fuck, this didn't go how we wanted. I was at MSG the other day for the uh, Khan fight, as you, you know. What was mm. you guys' take on the outcome there? You know, was the low blow illegal? And if so, you know, is Amir Khan fully within his rights to say, I can't continue? Or do you reckon yeah. he took the easy way out? Which is, I think, what the majority of American fans thought. Right. Yeah. I thought, look, like you hit him more in the hip than in the nuts <laughs> than anything else. Yeah. He's in the ballpark. But, you know, yes, Khan, you are allowed that five minutes. And since it was considered an accidental low blow, that he was allowed not to continue. Legally, yes. Uh, could he have continued? Sure, it depends on where it hit. I think he took the easy way out, though. I'll give you an example. One of my my fighter, Adam, now is the Prima Fight Promotions 130-pound champion. He was fighting in Atlantic City a year ago, and within the first 30 seconds, the guy punted him in the nuts. I mean, fucking full-blown shot to the balls. Unreal shot. Clean, arguably... On purpose, Adam took two minutes, got up, almost finished the guy. Adam lost the fight. It did absolutely affect him. His balls were killing him for days. <laughs> but that's a guy who wants to fight. I think um, Khan did not want to fight. I agree. I looked at it like this. If Khan had been winning the fight quite comfortably, if he'd have been in the ascent and he got hit with that shot, do you think he would have pulled out? 
No I way. No, no freaking way. He'd have carried on. It was on the cup, wasn't it? So obviously, even though it, like you say, it was like close or it was in the bladder area, wasn't it? Kind of, kind of thing. Right. And, I mean, I've been kicked there like numerous times kickboxing and a full-blown front kick when you're not wearing a, a groin guard in that area well you're lucky if you don't puke up because i've puked right. up a couple of from, from those kicks we're actually like physically vomited but it's not quite the same as getting hit on the nuts but no. obviously the groin guard could have moved and literally squashed his, squashed his nuts right so right. you could have i could see how he could have been in real pain you know Decent-ish shot, moves the whole cup, squashes his bollocks, you know. But, I, I, yeah, I think he was trying to take the five minutes and then they thought, if this goes... I think they, it was if it was deemed as a sort of a deliberate foul, they get a no contest, I, I believe. Right. Um, but because it was deemed as an accidental blow, it went to points. And I just wonder if they took that chance, win or draw, win or lose, out, we save him for another day. Because he was... Mate. He was on the way to getting stopped, wasn't he? Oh, no I doubt. No doubt. Tom, what would your take being in the audience? How was the crowd? How was the feel, the atmosphere? I was undecided on whether to support Khan or not, because I'm, I'm not a fan of his. I've always felt he's got a glass jaw, skinny legs, and maybe even things like the speed is a little bit overrated as well. I did end up supporting him, mainly because my, my friend was. At the time, there was a bit of booing from our side, you know, because we did think like, you know, look, it's a low blow. And I was surprised that they said that they deemed that accidental at the time when I was sat in the audience. But we all felt he'd taken the easy way out. Quite clearly, he's losing the fight and he had the five minute option. He didn't take it. And, you know, see how you feel in five minutes. Why, why not? Why not let that time go by? He was very much on the back foot. So I think I think that helped make make his mind up. What's one thing that surprised me and slightly disappointed me with him afterwards in the press conference, you know, he was talking about, oh, I want to, you know, prove myself. I want to go back and, you know, prove that wasn't the best version of him. I think, you know, that was your chance to prove it. And I think now might be the time for him to hang up his gloves, not give it all the big talk. So, so that, that was my take on it. Tom, I love your criteria for not being a fan. Don't like him. He's got skinny legs and a glass jaw. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Yeah, I think I've just guaranteed it'll never come on Primal Radio. Might <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be approaching that stage of his career where you can get him as well. Um, I don't like he does his hair. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He's born with skinny legs, therefore I don't like you. Actually, I am a fan of Khan. I, honestly, he's not best guy to listen to sometimes the stuff that he comes out with uh, I do wonder sort of you know he's not that sharp a talker but he's he's never in a dull fight I mean that was that might have been like one of the dullest fights he's been in which shows how his fights are usually really exciting I thought he looked pretty shot really I know it was obviously Crawford is you know an incredibly good boxer and was just took it away from Khan but Speed wasn't there. That explosiveness wasn't there. Never seen Khan so sort of hesitant. I'm sure that that was because of what he had in front of him. But was it also to a degree that he's he's on the slide? Because I th honestly, I think the old Khan would have would have run at Crawford 
doing his usual salvos of fast shots and he probably would have got knocked out. His slightly more cautious style kept him in the fight longer and it was a little painful to watch him getting, you know, comfortably sort of, and not just out box, but just right. broken down really. So I think it's probably time for him to hang up his gloves. But him v Kel Brook, you know, the other fighter from England, that one's, for me, it's just stewed too long. It, it would still sell quite well, but the reality is that they've both seen better days. And, you know, going back to your point, it's another fight that's just been left too, left too long, really. That should have been made years ago. Right. Now, moving on to real important stuff. <laughs> I had, because it's a boxing show, and although unknown, although known to our audience and our fans, as my fighter Scrap made his pro debut last Saturday night in uh, Philadelphia. And he won with uh, a 35-second knockout. Uh, he just dominated this guy. Um, it wasn't much of a battle. I was, I mean, I was very happy that he won. I would like to see him a little bit, have him a little bit more time in the ring. But it was a hell of a debut. Uh, unfortunately, ironically enough, I had too much going on. I had that event. I had one of, another one of my fighters fighting the MMA event. And I had another fighter fighting for the Golden Gloves Championship up in North Jersey. So I had three fighters in uh, three locations at an event going on in one night. But uh, shout out to Scrap, and we'll get him on the show and, and stuff. Uh, Tom, did you get to see a, a, a footage of that or not? I've shared that round. Obviously, it's a nice... Uh, the fight was so short that it's one of those perfect size clips to sort of um, stick on, yeah. on, on on the internet. I think people are watching that all over the world. Yeah, f- fantastic performance. No real surprise there. Did you see it, Doc, by any chance? I did. I thought it was incredible. I really hope that goes viral. Perfect size. If he could make all his fights 35 seconds, right. he's an absolute superstar. But right. yeah, I've seen some footage of Scrap training before. I didn't really know how he fights. Is, it, is he a, always sort of out the blocks, so fast kind of guy? He looks like... I, I uh, thought he, that, he's no, slick, not really. Slick. I... I I think he, he wanted to go in there and take this guy out quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the game plan. Uh, he tends to be more of a counterpuncher, more like right. a Mayweather style back a little bit. He's got, yeah. over the last couple of years, I've really worked on sitting down on his punches. He can right. really hit hard. He didn't always yeah. have that because he was more of a slapper. So we sit down and we drill and we drill. So my job when I train him is literally like an hour of pads. Sit down, turn your shoulder, drop the weight, sink it up, move your shoulder this way, like ad nauseum, you know, so that oh, it comes, oh, comes to fruition in the ring. Really, really impressed. Well, that's good. Let's, let's, we'll keep it up. And uh, our next fight with Scrap is in Virginia uh, next month. Uh, so, uh, so you got to keep it interesting. So as a, as a young pro, you got to keep him fighting every six weeks, every eight weeks. And you start off with the four rounders and, and you build up. So part of our training too is getting him, you know, stronger and faster and conditioning where it's out of control. Because the challenge too, though, if you come out and you have all quick knockouts is they're not used to going, you know, four rounds of adversity. Although you do want to start to rank that up uh, and have those knockouts. You still want to have that time in the ring, which is invaluable, which you can't get anywhere else. Jim, I was talking to Scrap and he was saying that um, the Olympics is still a possibility as they've created a new rule where provided you've done 10 or less fights at the pro level, you could still you can still go right. to the Olympics. Is that something that you guys are still investigating? He seemed keen. Yes. Coming later in the year, we'll, 
will work through what has to be done with the USA Boxing to allow him to qualify to do that. Uh, that's not that'll happen later on in the year. That's not as of right now, but it's still a possibility. Absolutely. You know, it was a tough decision to go pro because doing the Olympics is such a unique thing. And sometimes life circumstances lead you down a path that might not have been your your number one choice at that time. It is still a possibility. We are working toward making that happen. Uh, whether it does or not, I, I don't. I just don't know. You know, but keeping them uh, on the straight and narrow in the gym and, and focused and adding new tools to them is is important. He's got everything it takes to get to that level. And so my job is to you know be the guardian of the gate. <laughs> You know, and kind of watch out, uh, uh, oversee the whole thing because, you know, you see people come flying out of the woodwork um, to be your best friend, so to speak, you know? Yeah, of course. Hey, Jim, I was thinking, obviously, if, like, if the stars aligned and he, he was able to go to Olympics, I mean, I, I, I think that'd be amazing because it's just the experience of boxing in the Olympics is, is incredible. But do you think that, let's say he had seven, eight, ten fights up to this ten-fight limit. Do you think that that experience would serve him better going into the Olympics than if he'd have stayed amateur and had... Ten, Good question, ten, because there are two completely different games. Different games, but I would imagine there's more pressure on his shoulders fighting as a pro, and so... Oh, without a that, doubt. Yeah, so that might enable him to perform better, you know, sort of what we were talking about earlier about, you know, being on your game and really sort of performing on the night. I'm sure he does it yeah, he's anyway. He's been pretty but... good. At, right. He's been pretty good at getting into the zone. I, I mean, I've worked it for, I've been with him for years. There've been fights where I, I knew that he wasn't on. And of course you, you only can, you can't afford that to happen once in the Olympics. So right, I think it would serve him that way. The game, the strategies game, it hasn't yeah. changed his style. Yeah. So really, uh, so we're just new to the pro game with him. So we'll see where it goes. And as it goes down the line, uh, we'll see how that happens. So you're fighting a different kind of fighter, too, as a pro than as an amateur. You know, elite, well-skilled amateur who's got a couple hundred fights will fight differently. I mean, a lot of guys go pro with just a handful of amateur fights. So and there's also a good argument they're not even as schooled. Yeah. You know, they're, not, they're not as technically sound. You know, just because exactly. they're pro doesn't mean shit. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see. So love to see you guys out in Japan for it. Obviously, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, hopefully that Pasta. happens. We could just stay at your flat. <laughs> well, exactly, mate. You know, I'll look after you. I'll make sure you don't eat any dodgy Japanese food that gets wow. you sick. And that, uh, right, that would, you know. That would be something else. We finally get the Olympics. Go stay at Doc's and scrap eat some bad sushi. <laughs> Doc, I've got two quick fan questions for you. Uh oh. To close out the show before we go. First one, uh, this one's from Peter Pacrade, who's a, a friend of mine who's a racing car driver. He's asked, which one of a, the televised, modern enough, kind of watchable boxing fights that you could watch over like, the internet or whatever that might be, um, would you recommend as a masterclass in boxing technique as a sort of appreciation slash skill development kind of fight to watch? Wow. Um, <laughs> my favourite masterclass is probably Joe Kawasaki beating Jeff Lacey. I don't necessarily think it quite ticks all of the boxes that, that you just said because Kazaki's style is quite unique and there's probably other master classes that might 
you know, that you might watch and pause and rewind and, you know, learn skills from. But that's like one of my favourites, Kawasaki Lacey. Whew. Yeah, we'll go with that one for now. And next question from a Mr. E. Hearn. How do you handle the trappings of fame? <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for this one. It's uh, it's quite difficult, Tom, you know, because obviously I do get a lot of random Japanese people coming up to me and asking me for my autograph. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I do my best, mate. Like, uh, you know, I try, you try to, to my... stay humble. Try to stay humble, uh, Jim. Try to keep my feet on the ground and just, Boy. you know, Remember, well, we, were, we were concerned. Have you ever like grabbed one of these Japanese people's phone and like thrown it, you know, off your balcony or something like that? <laughs> the paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> I was out for a job the other day and I did the old Mike Tyson. I threw my Walkman. So I, I use a Sony Walkman, you know, as, as you would if you were in Japan. Threw my Walkman at him. <laughs> Remember Tyson doing that? Remember Tyson yeah. doing it? He was in the through the Sony Walkman. Yeah. Awesome. All uh, right, guys. All right, man. Another great show. Uh, of our boxing, our boxing update with the world-renowned boxing expert Doc Watson, guys. Till next time, peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review. Do you know what? When you asked me about that uh, masterclass, bloody trying to think of this fighter but um do you know that fighter taylor um what's his uh not sure the guy me you and lumley watched in the philippines yeah remember we all sat down and we watched him fight i bloody can't remember his first name well he had it had a fight i'm going to find the name of it and i'm going to message you two on it he'd only had about 10 fights at the time it was an absolute masterclass Josh um, Taylor. Yeah, and then I go, and then I also not sure why I didn't think of it, but you could have, you could practically have said any one of Lomachenko's fights, but again, there's sort of skill levels at another level, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's hard to learn from someone who operates at a level that nobody else can comprehend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you think of that, Jim. Oh, he's gone. gone. Yeah, yeah, he's fucked us off. <laughs> He's a busy man.